Motor Trend presents the all-new series Top Gear America. Stream the two-episode premiere on January 29th and witness Dax Shepard, Rob Corddry, and Jethro Bovington push cars to their limits with explosive results. Join us for the joyride. Start your free trial at motortrend.com slash TGA21. Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer. And this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. For the next 25 minutes, we're going to continue our conversation about the zone of proximal development. Excuse me. A more knowledgeable other. Because we want to give you the tools so you can be 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. Um, so it's interesting. You know, we talk about being 100% responsible, but that doesn't mean you have to go at it alone. And the awareness of the zone of proximal development is that when we're in that territory, um, the responsibility comes in advocating for yourself and drawing in more knowledgeable others, being aware that you even need them. Yeah, and, and having the, um, I guess, the confidence to admit that you can't do this on your own. Um, I remember a story. So being responsible does not mean being alone because of the two axioms. We know that we're hardwired yeah. to connect. And we'll probably cover it today, but that idea of being aware so you know what level of learning that you need to have or what level of um, scaffolding, which yeah. we'll, we'll cover today. But I remember a conversation years ago with a couple. It was a financial uh, relationship, but the gentleman was having difficulty with his marriage. Um, his wife was pretty frustrated with him. And in a moment of frustration, he put her on the phone um, to talk to me so she could explain to me why her husband is a, a failure. And so she got on the phone and I simply asked her, I says, well, what do you want your marriage to look like? She kind of gave me an idea. And I said, well, what's your husband doing right now? And so she gave me a litany of things that he was broken with. And I said, well, what do you do in response to what your husband does. And then she gave me about seven bullet points. I yell, I scream, I go into rage, I nag, I cuss at him, I hit him, I... Lovely. Um, just, she went on a whole <laughs> bunch of things like this nature, right? Yeah. And then I said, all right, and how are those working for you? <laughs> and she said, well, not at all. That's, you know, I'm talking to you right now. I'm willing to talk to you because they're not working. I said, okay, I, I got that. And I said, what's the probability of of him frustrating you tonight. And she said, oh, he will. Within an hour, I'll be so mad at him. I said, okay. And since you know what doesn't work, what are you going to do different tonight? She paused just for a moment. She says, no, I'm going to yell at him some more. I said, okay. So we're, <laughs> we're not in the zone. We don't want an MKO. Yeah. We're unconsciously incompetent. We don't know what we don't know, and we don't want to know what we don't what we don't know because we're probably an obsessive, and we are obsessing over it's not working, and therefore we're going to shut down. So go to the concentric circles, right. and in the concentric circles, 
We're no longer in comfort zone. We're in total chaos, which becomes the new norm. And because the new norm is there, she needs more to medicate each time she gets angry at her husband. It's like drinking one beer the first time and getting a high, but needing four or five beers the second time to get close to the high. Mm-hmm. So she changes her threshold. She's just escalating. Right. So that's a, a classic example. We're not talking to people like that. What we're, we're appealing to is people who actually want to grow, who want to learn. In order for any of us to grow and learn, we almost always have to have some sort of an MKO. Now, I'm, I'm okay with saying, because sometimes my MKO is for people who were doing it wrong. That's possible. I don't want to do it that way. So I ask a primary right. question. So that, that brings in the modeling issue. Yeah. You want to MKO, and you want to have social interactions with that those kind of people that you can observe um, in their skill set and the skill set that you're trying to get. This is where your responsibility does come into play, is that you get to be selective. Well, you've got to know how to be selective. That awareness is critical. Don't regulate on something that's harmful. Exactly. So if I'm aware of something, but my regulation, my change of behavior actually makes it worse, okay, that's not a good awareness, and it's even a poorer regulation. So there's three important components which which aid the learning process according to the research. So... I'll give them to you in bullet form. It's the presence of someone with knowledge and skills beyond that of you. That's the more knowledgeable of Right. And it's, it's, there's also a difference between knowing and knowing how. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit, I've got some clients who know more than I do. The difference is I know how to have a healthy relationship. So when I teach flipping, for example, flipping is frequent, low-risk, personal, positive, and neutral, meaning just have a conversation with your son for example, or with your wife or spouse. The knowing person, the one who's so intelligent, says, okay, but they're doing it wrong, so I need to tell them. I said, actually, this is where, and I'm using today's terminology, the MKO knows how to do something that you don't know. I'm not arguing that you don't know something. Because how many parents can explain to their children that they shouldn't do X and Y? And the parents are correct. But if the child doesn't want to hear what the parent says because the the volume of su- the supply of opinions is so great. It's the power of the modeling. Right. So, yeah, the, the MKO is not going to be the person who's maybe written the book on the subject. It's Usually they're the, the ones, right. Usually the one who wrote the book is the one who failed the most, and they just now know how not to fail, but they don't know how to succeed. Yeah. That doesn't sound very nice, but that's most self-help books. Maybe I shouldn't say most. Let's just say many self-help books are by people who have failed and failed and failed and then written about it. Yeah. So number two, social interactions with a skillful tutor that allow the the learner to observe and practice their skills. Again, and that's not modeling. Sherry's but, the modeling. But it's but in this case, it's the social interaction, and meaning that you've got you want a relationship of trust with that MKO. Right. There has to be safety in the learning environment. And there has to be boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if the MKO is a rescuer or doesn't realize he or she's a rescuer, you could take advantage of them. And that happens a lot. So at least in my experience, you know, that family reunion that we went to yeah. was a, a wonderful experience for us because they were quite respectful. Although I was exhausted because I'd never had any downtime. They were at least respectful about it. They were very respectful yeah. that, that we were kind of there on a 
a lot of hours, but yeah, it, we was great. it was great. Yeah, it was great. Number three, scaffolding or supportive activities provided by the MKO um, to support the learner. So this is where it gets um, critical. It's more than just hanging out with somebody who does something well. That That is helpful in itself, but there is something called scaffolding. And to me, I'll speak it from the educator side, but I really want to transfer this over to relationships. It's being able to, it's guidance in the right chunk size. Mm. You cannot fire hydrant people with all the good benefits of everything you've known and experienced and all your good skills. It will not, it's not palatable. It's not, it, it's not, you can't, that person can't absorb it. So I would ask you then as a teacher and educator, Okay, you said scaffolding is the right chunks. Mm-hmm. Does sequencing play a role in Absolutely. the scaffolding? Absolutely. The scaffolding has to be sequenced, sized correctly, layered correctly, and unlayered correctly. And so we'll get into scaffolding and unscaffolding. And and there can be too much scaffolding as well. And that is probably just as detrimental to have too much because you will shut somebody down with too much scuffling. So the researchers Wood and Middleton, I think that's who the researchers are, unless there was another one. So, oh, Wood, Bruner, and Ross. Mm -hmm. These are the researchers who actually came up and talked about scaffolding as a process, but their definition is it enables the learner to solve a task or achieve a goal that would be beyond his or her unassisted efforts. Right. Right. So in other words, you haven't been able to figure out the relationship yet. Right. So doing more of the same is only going to make it worse. It's not going to get better. Don't double down. That's the obsessive on doing more of the same. So many people I hear say, try harder, try harder. That's the worst advice you could give. And it's it's not just saying like, okay, just do different and just do it this way. It's not that it's, it's the guidance. It's do this much. And, and I will hold your hand through it. I'll give you the words. Um, and then you're going to come up with your own. And so there's, there's this release from scaffolding as well. So it's this process um, that controls the elements of the task that's beyond that person's capacity or capability and allows them to concentrate upon only completing certain elements within their range of competence. That's critical. Yeah. Because you don't overload them. Because once you go beyond that 5% or 10% level, yeah. they're going to go to fight or flight. So I'm going to say, when we when we talk about the courses we have on Himmer Institute, and these are online asynchronous courses, but they are chunk-sized in what you visually see at a time in a chunk that you can absorb. You can go back and reabsorb that page until you're ready to go on. Right. Um, and that, in a sense, is scaffolding right there. I designed that content because Richard Hammer has got all this great stuff to flood at you, but it can't come in a flood. And so just the sequencing of it and the chunk size in itself is the scaffolding there. Well, the, the critical aspect there is I've gone to an MKO to help me scaffold my, my information that I've studied for decades. And if you were to leave me without any kind of scaffolding, I would just dump this on in a fire hydrant form. Um, and, and I wouldn't be scaffolded. I had to learn the process as well. And I, I would argue I'm still learning yeah. how to scaffold because sometimes, and that's why I've had to write my systems down because there is so much that goes into the learning process. 
And in, in reality, the personal growth protocol that is now coming up within the next day or two, which will be there by the time you hear this, um, that's a six-part series. You got one part. Yeah. There is so much to that. And we're debating right now. it's a right place now. to begin. It's a place to begin. <clears throat> and we've got another and, course and, coming on And does it flood people to know there are six parts? That's too much to hear. Right. Right. And you so, just need to know what's the next step. I have, I have a lot of people call me and say, well, how long is this going to take? Well, they're dabblers. Or they wouldn't ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're hackers. But like. the reality is, when you when you come to me, let's say you're in your 40s and you're coming to me and you and your, your bride are having difficulties, the reality is th the process will probably take you five years. You don't need me for five years, but you do need me long enough or someone like me, an MKO, who can teach you the basics of emotional intelligence because you're living in your first half of life skill set. That's getting you not to where you want to go. So you have to unlearn what you think you know, and you have to start relearning new processes, developing new neural pathways. Okay, so let's take a concrete example of what scaffolding looks like. Right. And let's go to the four-year-old level, right? Yep. Um, a a four-year-old gets um, um, a pile of blocks and pegs to build a 3D model, and they get this picture of what they should build, okay? But the model doesn't make sense to them because they don't see it broken down. Right. And so this is where an MKO who's had experience in modeling. Um, and So like a mother. Right. And in this case, the researchers looked at mothers who interacted with their children to build a 3D model. And the mothers would say like they would they would show something like how two parts go together. And then they'd say, now you have a go. They let the, the child do what they did. Clearly British. But. Now you have a go. It totally sounds like something else. Um, or they would give instructions specific to now get four big blocks. So the mind can separate out out of this confusion. Oh, I just need to find four big blocks. I mean, when we're talking about relationships, if someone were to do that, when you are just snarled in a mess, it just calms the brain but it also lets you know that you're in a learning process. If I could interrupt then, yeah. when we've shared flipping with clients yes. and they've actually done it, yeah. I've shared it with a ton of clients, but when people actually practice flipping, in other words, they stop looking at all of the puzzle pieces and they simply grab the four blocks. In this case, it'd be five blocks. Right. And they only grab the five blocks. They report 100% of the time a difference in the relationship if they actually practice just grabbing those five blocks because when they're in the mess of the relationship problem they just see this huge mess right. and it's too much but when somebody says okay you're gonna just try to do something frequently once a day let's say once a day so that you're touching with that person once a day it's going to be low risk you're not going to talk about the homework or all the thing projects around the house they haven't done for you right okay it's going to be about them personal personal it's going to be positive, so it's so going to be. You're, you're not, not going to criticize, you're not going to write. or you're not going to bring up um, anything negative about them, and you're going to keep your tone of voice neutral. You're going to keep the subject positive and personal about them. No air leaks, no rolling of the eyes, yeah, no, no criticism, no opinions. Keep your bloody self out of it. And that's all you're going to do. Right. You give them that one focus. So what? And, and what Sherry just illustrated there, and what I've tried to explain is when you, when you understand scaffolding, when you understand if your goal is to go from A to B and you've got an MKO, 
follow the sequence. The MPKO's role is to be able to scaffold it. So meaning give you enough information that you can succeed, but beyond doing nothing. Okay. And this is what another thing that a valuable MKO, like these mothers did intuitively, is that they varied their strategy according to how that child was doing in the moment. That's, yeah, there's no and perfect script. We know from educators that you have to differentiate for every single child in your classroom. There is no one script right. that works across the board. Even though you will see teachers educate from a script and you will fall, see kids fall asleep or be disengage or misbehave because the script doesn't apply to them. And that is yeah. the challenge. Okay. But applying that in relationships. Well, it's like a mother who says, you know, I've got three children and two of them went off the reservation, but one of them is great. And I, I parented them all the same. Nope. I don't understand why the other two, Yeah. but because you parented them all the same. It has to be unique to each individual. And if that alone doesn't tell you what you need in relationships, that might be the chunk you need right there. Good point. Okay. So the, the point here that I, I would like to emphasize that Sherry said is there is no specific script. It's having an awareness of what's going on. That's critical. So first, the awareness, the empathetic approach, meaning trying to find out what's going on in their lives. If you're not... If you're not there, if you're not present. Well, and it's constantly, and, and educators, we talk this checks for understanding. It's constantly seeking to understand. So that empathetic perspective taking of the other person in the relationship is important. And it will do so much healing on its own. In fact, we right. know that that's what most people seek. They seek to be understood, but you will do a great service to anyone in your presence if you seek to understand The greatest them. gift, in my opinion, and this is from a religious standpoint, a psychological standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, the greatest gift you could give another human being is 15 minutes of undivided neutral attention. And and this is your, uh, your barometer, especially in relationships, is where you see frustration is a lack of that person feeling understood. Right. If they're acting out in frustrated behavior, it's because they don't feel like they're understood. Now, you could say, well, they don't communicate themselves well. Well, why? But what's in the environment that is not allowing them <laughs> so to feel let's understood? Let's do just a couple real quick examples. So let's take the, the wife whose husband um, basically just shuts down. And and the wife wants the husband to do X, wants to do Y. Take charge of this one. Be a leader. Be a man, whatever it might be. The challenge in that position is the wife doesn't know what's going on with the husband because she never talked to him. I never forget. I explained once to a wife the husband's feelings through his eyes of going to church that she had never really connected. Very emotional on both parts. Once she understood that, she was able to connect with him a little bit better. It's the husband um, whose wife never does enough. Well, does the husband really know what's going on? This is true in every single situation. We are hardwired to connect with other people. That means if I'm going to connect with you and you feel a bridge to me, and we will be doing bridging and bonding at some point in time, I'm going to have to reach across this bridge so you feel understood by me without judgment, yeah. without bias. That's what we're talking about. That's one little thing. Okay. 
So the scaffolding, I want to give an illustration here. Picture you're traveling in Europe. Um, Sherry, what was the name of that church we went to in Barcelona when we were just about to get on the ship? Oh, the Sagra Familia. Yeah, say that again. Is it the Sagra Familia, the one in it's Barcelona? It's in constant construction. Yeah. All right. It's beautiful and unique and, uh, yeah, it's just it's out different. of this world. Anyway, yeah. but it's got scaffolding all the way around it. Mm -hmm. So in a scaffolding scenario, let's just say that um, Sherry's the MKO and I'm the learner, right? Listen, and I come into you and I'm just broken. I don't know where to go. It's probable that Sherry will put up scaffolding all the way around my edifice, all the way to the top, because she has to start from that one. And as I learn something, she's going to start peeling back the scaffolding. Part of the process here is that it's a dual awareness, your awareness of how much I need and my awareness so I can advocate for myself. Right. And if I don't know how to advocate for myself, I may want more scaffolding and you may realize that that's creating a codependent relationship mm -hmm. so you may pull back the scaffolding and invite me into my 10 percent uncomfortable zone of learning and as i become more comfortable then you can pour more pull and can pull i just more say back. it's not uncomfortable when you have a trusted mko well it's actually it, delightful it could be a little uncomfortable but you want it it's fun to do that i i'm out of my comfort zone on a regular basis but it doesn't mean i don't i want to stop it means, oh, I like this. I learned something here. And that's people who know how to deal with, um, for example, speaking. I get nervous every time I speak. I get nervous every time we do a podcast. But it doesn't shut me down. It means I know how to channel that. That's all I'm suggesting. Right. So you become acclimated to being outside your comfort zone. So you value the positive behavior of that learning process. So that's also part of the scaffolding. All right. Oh, wrong, wrong thing. And so just that um, feedback loop is what we're describing. That's important in scaffolding to know how much is given, how much support to give, how much to take away. Because so, it's not going to stay there. That's the point. The goal and goal is to get to independence so and that mastery By level. doing it, you're putting it. So again, back to you're the MKO. You're going to put me in a position to achieve success through activity that I previously would not have been able to do alone. That's the idea. So the researchers continued with five um, processes to aid in the scaffolding. So just so you're aware of this one, they are one, to get engagement, gain and maintain the learner's interest. So that's the job of the MKO. But the learner also has to understand that they're looking for that engagement. So if you're a dabbler, recognize you're gonna plateau and you want to jump off the plateau. If you recognize that, re-engage, go to a different level. The tasks have to be simple enough to be achievable, yeah. not complex enough that creates more confusion. Right, and so achievable, but still challenging enough. A challenge does engage people, so just. This one I do in professional coaching a lot. So emphasizing certain aspects that will help the solution. When I teach selling, I teach something called insight selling. Many times, and especially in the financial planning world, the client will come in, they know that they want to figure out if they have enough money to retire, and they want to know how much they can have, but they don't know how to ask the questions. They don't know where to go. If you've ever dealt with a CPA, unless you ask questions, you almost get nothing back. CPAs only know how to look backwards. They don't know how to look forwards. That's not their training. Um, so in this particular case, 
learning how, as if you're the MKO, how to ask the questions to be insightful. If you're the learner, go back to your primary questions. What don't I know right now that if I knew would make a difference? And what questions could I be asking now? And then the third one is, what do I know that isn't so? So be aware of where you're stuck. The fourth one is to monitor the level of understanding and growth, that it's not too rapid, but that it's rapid enough. Yeah. And lastly, demonstrate, model it. And that's why I really enjoy when my, for example, this is a perfect classic example of modeling. Many of our friends and clients have said it's fun to listen to you two because we don't always agree. And your learning process is different than mine. You're, Clearly I'm more obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> the way you articulate is different. And then the interaction is also yeah, very and enjoyable. and we see different applications and all of that. So, so let's summarize this. We, um, in this process, what we've covered today is a number of linear ways of sequencing well, the I, learning process. And I just... I think the big takeaway, Rich, is that um, knowing ourselves as learner, let's go back to being 100% responsible, knowing ourselves as a learner. I mean, are we a dabbler? Are we obsessive? Are we a hacker? Are we paralyzed? Um, and getting an MKO in our lives so that we can move forward, knowing that we don't have to take all it all on. Knowing that 5 to 10% of newness is just the right size, right. isn't that comforting right there? But now transfer that to your the people around you. When you are the fire hydrant or you're doing drive-by dumpings, you're putting people into discomfort and you're causing your loved ones to shut down around you. And it and would be fun. That to... enough. I, I know in families it's tough to communicate, but in communication, you're teaching. You're giving new information. And you and I do it to each other all the time too, because we're always in a hurry. Yeah, that's true. We're always hurried. You and, are always data dumping on me. You're right. And <laughs> and and we do it I'm like, okay. We, we gotta, we gotta, I know. <laughs> but the pillow talk at night is often I'm like, please, when I can have a post-it note handy or something yeah, like right. that. But not right now. Or I can, and we All right, like, everyone. We Thanks so much. We'll talk to you in the next segment. <laughs> presents the all-new series Top Gear America. Stream the two-episode premiere on January 29th and witness Dax Shepard, Rob Corddry, and Jethro Bovington push cars to their limits with explosive results. Join us for the joyride. Start your free trial at MotorTrend.com slash TGA21. MotorTrend presents the rubber-burning action of the all-new series Top Gear America. Dax Shepard, Rob Corddry, and motoring journalist and professional racer Jethro Bovington are pushing cars to their limit. So buckle up, because whether they're testing supercars or racing junkyard rescues, these hosts hold nothing back. On January 29th, join us for the joyride and stream the two-episode premiere of Top Gear America, available only on the Motor Trend app. Start your free trial today by going to motortrend.com slash TGA21.